0: Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Bat Flip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. Uh, The the season has come to an end. The regular season of fantasy baseball is over, and I just want to extend a thank you to everybody who has listened to the podcast um, for the past year and years. Um, Just really appreciate all your support um, during this season um, It ended up being a, a good season for me personally um, Which has been great um, But as always uh, Putting together the podcast and working with Bubba um, As we have now for 51 episodes This is episode 51 of Bubba and the Bat Flip um, Has been great as well So thanks everybody for listening And um, sending in your questions And engaging on Twitter It's it's always fantastic And one of my favorite things about um, Starting to you know do this work And in um, Fantasy Baseball is just the community that I've been I've been fortunate enough to build. and you guys are all a part of that, so really appreciate that. Anyways, if you do like this podcast, please feel free to um, go over to iTunes and leave us a uh, rating and review. Always appreciate getting those. Um, so if we were able to uh, help you at some point during the season, uh, if, and you'd kindly do that, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, but yeah, uh, let's. We can hop right to it. You can reach me uh, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. You can find Bubba at BDNTrek. Um And also, just a little note that I, I am adding an ad. It's a. It's not a paid ad, so I'm not getting money for it. But the elections are coming up, and it's a. It's a critically important election, and so just want to share a little bit of uh some resources available to folks um who uh yeah who who can vote so hopefully you find that helpful anyways uh with that aside let's uh, delve into some fantasy baseball and let's get this party started
1: and welcome back everybody to another episode of above on the bat flip episode 51 The fantasy baseball season in 2020 is in the books. It's over. It's done with. Playoffs are starting up on Tuesday. So it's going to be ramping up. And you never know, 2021 is just right around the corner. Hopefully, COVID free. So uh, we'll uh, recap real quickly. Our 2020 season has got a lot of listener questions, which is great. Keep those coming all off season. Um, I will say this much we'll get to listener questions. Some of them I'm going to give pretty vague answers because we're going to have to dig in more to answer those in the offseason because there's mm-hmm. some pretty deep questions that there's zero chance i'm gonna give you a good answer for it right now like not a chance so uh just giving you a heads up there um but before we get on that you can get me on twitter at bd and and my co-host as always on twitter at Look crazy he is the man the myth and he's not the, not a myth anymore he's the legend that is just
0: dominating fantasy baseball seasons toby how are we doing man oh bubba we're doing we're doing we're doing good um i i, I tweeted it out but Today was just um, one of those one of those days where you just got to be, um, you know, things just kind of hit. Um, I went into the day like hoping to win one of my four main events. or not hoping to win, but like I had, I was winning leading two heading into today, and but was really struggling to hold on to one of them. So I would have been, I, I wasn't even really thinking too much about the third because I knew I needed kind of a perfect day. And Brady Singer came through with uh, an absolute gem, and then. Um, and then Drew Smiley. I mean, you know, we've talked about him on the show a few times now. And I tweeted last week before his first start of last week that that this was the start of his Cy Young campaign for next year. And he looked great. And honestly, you know, the the ump was questionable today, like just all over the place. I mean, sometimes it worked for him, sometimes it didn't. But some fielding. And I'm and I'm I apologize because I have a fantasy spin on it, and I know you're hurting because of the Giants, but some of the fielding, man, the Ole fielding where belt and, you know, it just was like, come on guys, this is it, this is it. So that was, um, you know, but anyways, it, it just worked really well. And then I got some, some big, a big day in my in the online championship. I, I was ninth overall heading into today with just Smiley going. So I just had one pitcher. And so I wasn't super confident and I got Trey Boo Boo, you know, your met your guy hit the grand slam I had Odor who hit two home runs. It was just like one of those days where everything kind of aligns and it just happened to be on a really important day of the season. So I feel really lucky to have done that. Um, and, um, but it definitely feels good. I mean, I, I worked super hard, you know, for a long time to, uh, to, you know, on all of these leagues. And so it's nice to, it's nice, it's nice to win some. And, um, I'm, I'm definitely happy, but this game is humbling. So you got to keep, keep grinding you know yeah you had a hell of a season there's no
1: doubt about that a nice uh nice paycheck coming your direction too so that's always good gets you ready to play uh more next year the platinum probably with vlad and some other good stuff like <laughs> that
0: so it, it makes it more palatable but it, it makes it so my mind's like oh when you when you're up on saturday nights until like 3 30 in the morning and you want to sleep in a little bit the next day makes it a little bit more palatable but um no i mean it takes I mean, you know, for those of us who invest our time and our energy and our, you know, our, our spirit into this game, into this game, which is just a bizarre thing to really love. Right. Um, it takes a support network, uh, to support you. And so it is nice to be able to say, you know, Hey, there's, um, there's a little, there's a little on there. And Justin Mason is asking if you can borrow 20 bucks. I love Jace Justin. Um, uh, you're the, uh, you're the best. Yeah, Mason always comes through good and he, he needs that because he has to
1: probably pay his wife back because she tweeted out 12 times today. So good luck, <laughs> Justin. Good luck with that. Um, yeah, no, it was a it was a fun season, fun season for sure. Uh Yancey is in the chat room as well, and he's finished 15th in listener league too, as he reminded me of. Uh, I, I I won that league. <laughs> yes. I I won that league pretty pretty easily, but um, the, the other listener league I finished like fourth in or fifth. Uh, that one was an awesome. There's like four guys, one of them baseball pods, was up there and um joe i I believe it was joe uh won it it was it it went down to the wire like some of your leagues you had it was awesome to watch those guys battle it out and joe actually won like three other nfpc things and so there's like the good thing i guess i'm gonna put out of all this but i stumble across all of this is um we got a lot of tweets about people that won some big stuff and they thanked us for that which means a lot because it's, uh, it's pretty cool like obviously we bust our butt to to win leagues that we're in like you said you stay up 3 3.30 in the morning doing your things every Saturday night. But uh, these guys listen to the show and everything and, and taking that information and winning things is, is pretty darn awesome as well. So that was awesome to uh, see. And I'm looking forward to next year. Like um, like I said, some of these questions I'm not going to be able to give you good answers for, but I'm already kind of digging into next season. I know Toby will sooner than later. Like everyone needs a little breather. I don't, I'm not going to go like – I'm not going head first into it. I'm like kind of playing around in the kiddie pool. But uh, I'm already started to look at things because – The season was wild. That's kind of what I wanted to do as part of our recap was like, you know, the sprint season, we all kind of – some people said it was going to be luck. Some people thought this, that. There was still skill involved. I'm not going to say there was not. There's still a lot of skill involved. There's also a lot of stupid injuries that took place and a lot of just craziness. We talked about the fab process, all that wild stuff. As a whole, like what was your takeaway from this 60-game sprint season compared to a full season? Like what can you take from this season that might help you in a full season?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a really good question. There's been some really like thoughtful discussion, I think on Twitter, just about like, what are some of the lessons learned? What are some of the takeaways from it? I think it's really hard to take, to take, it's kind of like, I think it's hard to take too much away from it, but then it's also, I think, reminds us of some, some things. I think that I like to, I like to think about, I mean, um, you know, I, I think one of the things like, I I think that starting pitching is incredibly valuable and I know I'm like a broken record on this, but I really do think that, that I think we see it more and more each year, but having an ACE, you know, and I'm not, I'm not talking about pocket aces here, but having an ACE that hits right. Mm -hmm. Having one of those guys who can provide that type of foundation, especially in today's streaming environment. I mean, yes. I mean, pitching was God awful. I mean you would go into the streams and you would just be praying like I would go into streams and it was like, oh, three earned runs and five innings and like four Ks. Like this is brilliant. Like this is this is great. Right. Like, I mean, literally, that's how I felt about streaming pitchers this year, because as long as it wasn't like two innings and seven earned runs, I was feeling pretty good about it. And I think you really want to put yourself in a position where you don't need to rely on that, you know, um, in keeping up with some of those categories that like the Ks. I mean, you look at the difference between the aces and the ks that they provide, along with the ratios, I just think that that's one thing for me that that's really critical. I think closers, I think, yes, this year was different, but I think each year we kind of see that you know there's a little bit more volatility in that position. And I think managers and front offices are 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 getting smarter and they're realizing that they don't necessarily need to commit to that one guy every single year or go or, or throughout the whole year or going with maybe a little bit more of a high leverage situation. And, and then, um, and so, and then I also think that with the tools that players have at their disposal, we're seeing some massive breakouts from, from guy, from hitters that kind of come out of not necessarily no you nowhere, but like who can kind of take that next step and can show those in, improvements. And so I think that's, those are some of the things I think, and I think where I went right, I think, and again, like, and I'm not saying like, yeah, I was right, da 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 da. But like, for this year, I think the strategy of, of prioritizing uh, starting pitching um, doesn't have to be two aces, but just prioritizing starting pitching, fading closers to to allow you to get a little bit more depth in hitters or depth in starting pitchers. I think was was something that was um, was helpful, um, and so I think those are the things. But then I also think at the same time, like, this is going to sound weird, but like. I think it also reinforces to us that each season is different. And there are things that we are not in control of or that we don't know going into a season that have a huge impact. Like Shane Bieber, right? Shane Bieber was freaking awesome this year, right? And I was fortunate to have um I had to have two shares of him, right? In, t- in two of my big leagues. Um, one that was good and actually one team that didn't end up being that good. But I didn't know that he was gonna gain a mile per hour of velocity this year. I didn't know that he was going to introduce a cutter. Right. So these are things that even if I drafted him going into the year, I didn't know those things. Right. Like those were things that happened that I was able, that that I was fortunate enough to benefit from. Right. And so I think that's the thing is that um, is that it sounds kind of weird, but for me, it's almost like the players are important, but I think building a roster that allows you to be flexible a roster that allows you to adapt and um, change as these things that we don't control happen is really, really critical. And I think one area that I was burned on, and I think this may be a place where I'm going to change a little bit, and then I promise I'll be short on uh, the answer this question, Bubba. Is have um, got a long
1: ways to go still.
0: <laughs> oh, God, we do. It's already late. We're totally 10 minutes in, but We could go forever. But is, um, you know, like, uh, like Victor Robles, Crushed me in a lot of places, and, and it made me realize, though, too, it's just that when you have that stolen base rock, you just got to keep on adding those guys who can get stolen bases because I think the things that are most dangerous right now in rotisserie baseball are chasing steals and chasing chasing um, uh, and streaming pitchers. Those I think are the two things that I want to try to stay away from doing too much next year. It's fine if you're streaming like one spot or maybe two spots but when you start when you have three guys you can count on and and you're circling through the other three guys and you're nine pitchers and let's say you have three other relievers i think that's that's a problem so for me those are those are two of the things that i want to head into next season not doing and you just got to figure out how to do it because if you don't take a Victor Robles type player early or you prioritize starting pitching like how do you how do you make that happen and and so I think that's going to be the challenge as always. But I think that kind of was crystallized for me a little bit because I lost some leagues. Our Barf League, I think I lost because I overemphasized going after stolen bases and chasing stolen bases, which drags down OBP, which drags down home runs, which drags down RBI. So I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's a lot to learn from the
1: season, obviously. But I think some things like you hit on. One thing I want to keep in mind for next season is this was a sprint and everyone's kind of pulling the trigger quickly and making changes quickly and doing things on the fly where we enjoy a full season of baseball because you can grind it out because you can do things like that. You don't have to go crazy. You can kind of write out a little slump and you can save your fab, but you can do things that was different this year and you can trust your process. And you know, Toby does the rolling graphs. You can see things and make those work. That'll change things differently. So don't completely change your philosophy. just because you saw craziness this year. Like don't, don't engulf that strategy. Um, That's one thing you got to kind of keep in mind when you're evaluating 2020 for 2021. Um, Another couple things, like uh, we talked about earlier in the year, Alex Fast talked about it many times, and he tweeted it out. Saves you can get late in drafts. Like uh, I think Hendricks and Kenley Jansen were only like the two in the top 10 that were kind of taken early, and they really weren't that early, but they were kind of towards the top. Brad Hand led baseball in saves. (laughs) That's all you need to know. Yes, (laughs) that's all you need to know. Like you just – there's the list of people I'm – Ryan Presley, I think finished fourth, and he wasn't even the closer to start. Like it's just, it's one of those deals. It's a pain in the butt to fab for closers. It is really difficult, and you might blow a lot of money you don't need to blow. At the same time, they're there, so it's kind of a catch twenty two. Like, don't don't go stressing about it. Like we talked about it a lot. There's ways to do it. Um, I like your stolen base comment because that's been a popular topic of conversation around everywhere. And there, there, there's a few other things. It's just there's a lot to kind of take in and keep taking in. I guarantee you when we look back at things, and start looking forward, we'll see differences and stuff and go, okay, maybe we should do that differently. Maybe we should do this. Things along those lines that are going to be very, very interesting. But I think the biggest thing is take a step back and realize that your process probably wasn't wrong. It's just the season was so quick you had to make adjustments so quick. And secondly, um, players you might be down on because they had rough goes, They ha- everyone has slumps every season. Like you look at um, guys like uh, J Ram started off slow. Then he started going like fire for three, three weeks. Imagine if he had four more months, like there's all these guys that I'm not saying they're going to hit like that for four months, but say they hit for that two and a half to three of those four months. Like these numbers are like huge. So some guys that really struggled, they might've had a two week stretch. That was awesome. Now start, you know, factoring that in throughout the whole season. Next thing you know, things
0: aren't as bad as they look. So, Fre- Freddie Freeman's pace was like 150, 150 runs, 150 RBIs, and you know, 40 home runs and a 343 batting average yeah. over, uh, over a full season.
1: Ridiculous <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to take away, a lot of things to kind of take away with a grain of salt, a lot of things that we'll dig in on more that'll make things quite interesting to see like what really matters and what doesn't. Because, really, if we don't know what really mattered, but we can at least try to figure that out. Uh, what would you do differently? Obviously,
0: not much because you won almost everything. But what would you do differently? Um, if I could do, if I were to do my drafts over again, this sounds kind of crazy, but I would have taken more starting pitching. Um, I the think Phil, that you Dueso know Dueso Phil Dussault. Yeah. You know, we we were. I mean, I was I wasn't critical of him, but I was shown his draft board, which that without knowing it was him. If, it, if I knew it was him, I would have been like, oh well, that's probably the smart thing to do. But I think he took like five or six pitchers you know, in his first like eight or nine picks, which seems super heavy, right? We wouldn't bat an eye if you did that for hitting, but for pitching, you know, we were kind of amazed. And if you look at him, he finished consistently high up the board, I think with a lot of his, a lot of his teams and, and, you know, the best team that I had in the main event, um, we started off and this is actually kind of ridiculous. I was talking to my co-manager, um, Andrew Matney, shout out to him, but like our first five picks, check this out. Our first five picks for, for the best main event team that I had this year, Shane Bieber, or actually no, Max Scherzer, Shane Bieber, Javi Baez, Chris Paddock, Victor Robles. I remember I when he made that
1: Paddock pick because you didn't like Paddock. And then you took him because like he Paddock. fell to you in the fourth round. You're like, okay, I got to take him. And you you still hated it at the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean, I mean, shout out to it's Andrew. Probably, I'm not going to yeah. throw him under the bus, but that was his pick. Yeah, um, But no, but, but even with Paddock, I mean, the thing is, it's like the floor is so much yeah. higher for those guys. And so, yes, the pick wasn't right. But I think the three out of the four may be actually like – the way to go. I mean, I think if you look at the guy who won it, Tommy. and again, I mean, we're, we're picking, we're picking, right. We're picking right here. We're picking examples, but like tommy who won it pretty much going away, he took a hitter in the first round, but his next picks were, I think he went, what did he go? He went somebody, then Darvish, then Woodruff. Um, who did he have? Oh. He took, I think he took three of his first four were pitchers, but he took us a, st- a hitter to start off with. I think he went Trey Turner. I actually have this like right in front of me. Cause I was looking at it. Cause I think it's interesting to see like which players show up the most. So it was, um, he went Trey Turner, Bieber, Darvish, Woodruff. And so I actually think that's a really interesting, I think that's a really interesting way to start off with three of your first four being starting pitchers, because I really think there's something to having that core, three, um, to really rely on. So I think that's, that's what I wanted throughout the season. As the season went on, I wanted more pitching. I was desperate for pitching on some teams because the guys I was throwing out there, the risks I was taking that weren't worth it and ended up costing me big time. Um, I mean, I still won, but I had some opportunities that were definitely missed. Um, it was because I didn't have enough hitting. I mean, I didn't have enough pitching hitting actually was great um and so yeah i think that's what i would do differently
1: yeah no it's gonna be interesting to kind of sit back like you said and i think a good process like you mentioned is going back and looking at what what the winners do like what was the common theme because there's not always one but there's usually something you can kind of garner that there's certain players or there's certain parts of the draft like i remember preseason, we went through like the the rounds like okay these are the guys we'd want this adp and like going through here and that's a process and i know like you do it i know i talked to ryan bloomfield about it before before he goes into a draft, he literally like schedules out his picks. Like, okay, in this round, I want one of like these three guys. And like he goes here if it's it's like a, totally. it's, like a flow, it's like a it's like a flow chart. Like if I get this guy, okay, then I'm going here in the next round. Or like he has like a chart to it. Where doesn't always work. No, because if you're in sh- sharp drafts, these guys are going to be flying too. But it gives you an idea of what you're looking for, how to build your team, the way you like to build your team, and go from there. So lots of ways to do it. We'll attack all that stuff in the in the off and get you ready for 2021 because. It's a long ways away, but it'll be honest before you know it, especially if we get spring training like you expect, which will be awesome. So uh, we'll enjoy that. I've got the postseason coming up for a month, which will be sweet as well. But let's do some awards. Like the real awards, they'll get handed out here in the next month. Let's do fantasy baseball awards. And uh, Toby and I attacked it in a fun way, like we talked about beforehand. We we didn't really talk before we filled out our deal, but we kind of had the same idea in play for this because you could just go okay mvp okay it's freddie freeman or frana tatis jr okay yeah that, that's easy and and i probably went the easy way in pitching we'll go there in a minute but when we're talking mvp toby who is your
0: mvp for fantasy baseball this year Ooh. well my mvp for fantasy baseball is you bubba oh goodness <laughs> i didn't write it down but you are my mvp oh. i just want to say i just want to say that but honorable honorable mention number one, since we have to talk about a- actual fantasy baseball players, other than you, Bubba, is um, I put down Luke Voigt. And so I think we took like similar but slightly different approaches, I think. I was kind of looking for guys maybe later on in drafts who maybe who represented a ton of value. Um, I mean, Luke Voigt was awesome. Like at the end of the season, he petered out a little bit. And I think that's to be expected. I mean, I think that's one thing we saw you know, in the shortened season is how dramatic the swings, the ups and downs can be during a season, but we kind of forget about that, I think, because it's so long. Um, but, uh, he was just incredible. I mean, I think he led all of baseball in home runs. He had over 50 RBI. Um, he, he added runs there. He was just a producer throughout the entire season for a guy who was drafted around an ADP of 200. So for me, he's kind of the guy that I had, um, at the, at the, at the top there. And I think one thing, again, like this happens every year, but, um, I, I, I wasn't in on Luke Voigt. Like he wasn't one of my guys, but I had him on my best main event team because, you know, partially because he kind of fell there, but partially because I think, you know, you could just see, you could see something like this maybe happening if he was given the right situation. And with the injuries that happened right off the bat, he moved into great regular playing time. He moved up in the lineup you know, and things kind of came together for him. And so Luke Voigt was was my um, my second MVP after you. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, Voigt was a biggie,
1: obviously. Did did some big stuff there where his draft was amazing. He's one of those guys that you kind of had circled, at least I did. Some might have, I'm not saying you per se, but guys had circled. If like you missed that first group of first basemen. And we talked about, there's kind of like a, like a not great spot there after for a first group. And then it got to like, christian walker and luke voigt and like this group here where okay i need to get one of these guys or then i'm going to daniel murphy i'm in trouble so he kind of fell on that range there so i like that quite a bit um i have another i have a first baseman as well he went about 100 picks before luke voigt around pick 85 to 90 and it's a guy i've loved forever i know we were fans of him because he's like ultra consistent time and time again and this year he just really burst on the scene he had like a couple weeks just tearing the cover off the baseball and in the end still finished the year great and that's jose abreu Uh, He is nonstop productive for your team. One of the top first basemen and fantasy players in general on the season. Uh, Hit 321 with 19 homers. Uh, Everything you want to see from him was through the the roof. I've already seen people say there's no way he can do it again. And, yeah, he probably doesn't hit 321 again. But the power has been there a lot. Like, I'm not going to knock that at all. Um, on that offense, he's going to have tons of chances to drive and run. So that's another discussion for another day. But I still think he's more, he's going to be more viable than people are already giving him credit for next season, which means he might just get drafted at the same spot or lower, which is outstanding to hear. But um, Jose Abreu missed your consistency. Uh, he was my MVP, and there could have been many, like we said, but I really loved what he did at a position that was deep, but not great deep. All that we talked about many times. So Abreu was, was big for me. Who's your honorable mention?
0: My honorable mention. So I went with a couple different people here and there's a few options I could have gone with. Um, I do, I do have Teoscar on here Um, just because, I mean, the price, he was going around pick 280, 290 and he was injured for a good part of the season. And it's almost like, yeah, that hinders him, but also like you didn't have him in your lineup during that period of time. Right. And so he gave you 16 home runs and six stolen bases with a 300 batting average and over 30 runs and RBI in, you know, 160 plate appearances, as opposed to like the 220, 230 that, that a lot of guys got to this year. Um, and for me, that was just, that's so incredibly valuable, valuable because you got the power and speed that we've always been hoping for with him. So I think he's one guy. Um, another guy, um, you know, uh, Marcelo Ozuna, you know, who just seemed to keep falling in drafts. I think I got him around pick like, you know, 111 or something like that in one of my drafts. So Ozuna just crushed it all year long. Batting average, home runs, RBI, just a perfect compliment in that lineup. I mean, it was just a, such a, a wonderful situation. And then the last one I'll just give a little shout out for is Dansby Swanson. Because my God, I mean, he finished top five, I think, in the league in runs. Um, Only five stolen bases, but never didn't get caught stealing at all. Hit ten home runs, so you're looking at a guy who, over the course of a 162 game season, was on a 30-15 pace with decent uh, decent batting average, and you know those runs are just so valuable. And he was going to pick 230 something like that. So those are just three guys for me who, and I'm more familiar with Teoscar and and Dan's because I really like them heading into the season. But um, I like those guys are just guys who just absolutely dominated, who were, who were going kind of later, later than I think most other players. Or something.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Marce- Marcelo Zuno was almost my MVP. I was really close to pulling the trigger there. He was ridiculous. I saw a tweet I think, from the Braves. I think he led the national league in batting average and RBIs or home runs and RBIs, something like that. So yeah, he had a ridiculous season. I'll never forget the three home run night. I believe it was in Fenway. Where if you're a DFS player and you didn't own Marcelo Zuna that night, you did not make any money. That was just not it because it was yeah. ridiculous. he put up like over like fifty or sixty points. It was insanity. So um, yeah, he had I'm, a-
0: I'm gonna need that help because I've already lost 150 dollars playing DFS. I think my I mean, DFS career is gonna end before it even starts.
1: Yeah, on the bright side, you can you can replenish that pretty easily now. So that's good. Um, My guy didn't go late in draft, but I have to shout him out, and that's J-Ram. I know we were both huge on Jose Ramirez this year, and I was just sitting back doing the whole, you know, Kermit the Frog sipping his tea while people are talking at the beginning of the season because everyone's freaking out again because J-Ram's not hitting, all these things. Same story as last year, but uh, it only took him about three, three and a half weeks. From August 26th on, the dude just tore the cover off the ball, hitting .336, 12 homers, five steals. He did everything you wanted him to do. He, um, he had 10 steals. He had 17 homers. You know, you can't just – you could do kind of math there, but that's, you know, 35-plus homers pace, talking 20-plus steal pace. This is – every and he hit for average. Like, this is everything we talked about. And by the end of main event season, he was getting drafted in the back of the first round. But I know Toby and I, we talked about it a lot. He was falling into the second round a ton of drafts. If you were drafting towards the back, you could almost get him with your second-round pick. You could, we, were, we were starting out drafts at one point with Trey Turner and Jose Ramirez. I remember that very clearly in mock drafts and, and some actual real drafts. And I'm just sitting there going, getting Jose at that point is just stupid. It was just insane. And he finally got it going. And I, that's a guy I'm going to be really heavy on again next year because he's still super young. He's 28, like 29 next year. Um, the hit tool is ridiculously good. Uh, I just wanted to give him a shout-out because what he did on a team, and I think it's more impressive if you look from an actual baseball standpoint because the Indians' offense was atrocious. There was no one around him that scared you. There was zero reason to throw him anything to hit ever, and the guy just kept raking. So, uh, J. Ram would be my honorable mention. I just thought what he did was in, insane.
0: Yeah, no, so. I mean he's 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 unreal. I mean, last year he had a quote unquote terrible season, and he was like twenty twenty. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, a remarkable a remarkable guy. I like that. I like that call for sure. Who is your fantasy baseball Cy young? My fantasy baseball Cy Young, I am going to go with um, Corbin Burns uh, going with kind of the value theme as well. I think he was going around pick 230-ish or so, at least, you know, kind of when the main events were drafting. Um, And he was just, he was awesome. I mean, you know, he, he didn't get the innings that a lot of guys got, but I think he threw like 55 innings and 88 Ks. And there was nothing that seemed super fluky about it. Like if you had him going into those starts and again, he struggled kind of his last start and then he went on the DL. So maybe something was up. And again, consistency is not something that we should, that we should look lightly on. Right. And so that's going to be something we need to think about as we look into drafting him next year. But I mean, he looks like a true, he looks like an ace. He looks absolutely great. And you have to imagine being as, I mean, he's, I don't know how old he is, but he's, he's relatively young. I mean, as he, as he learns more about like using his pitches efficiently and, you know, I think he incorporated one or new two two new pitches. I need to dive in. Cause I didn't have, I only had him in one, like 12 team um, home league. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, there, I mean, I need to look a little bit more in the changes he made, but I know he made substantial changes to the pitch mix and the sliders the sliders legit. Um, so he just looks like a guy who could be a fantasy force for a number of years here um, in the future. If he can, if he can get that consistency um, going. So he, he was a guy I think was, was fantastic for fantasy owners this year. Yeah. He turns 26 in, uh, in October 22nd. So silly. Young. Oh, oh dude. In my dynasty league last year, I traded Corbin Burns for Max Kepler and I was like, Oh man, I won that trade. You know, Max Kepler goes off last year. You know, I'm, yeah, now I'm, 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 I'm like, like, Dynasty, Dynasty now I'm like yeah, I'm like, can I have Corbin Burns back? I'll trade yeah. you Max Kepler. Actually, yeah. Max Kepler. But,
1: um. uh, that's good stuff. Uh My fantasy, Cy Young, went around pick 38. I love the Burns call. He was huge. Like you said, the consistency, people get bored. Go look at his like last five or six starts, seven starts or so. It's pretty ridiculous. But uh, mine was you, Darvish, because if you want to talk consistency, it didn't. There weren't many more. There's some guys that we're going to talk about here in a minute that were very close to getting this for me. But uh, Darvish was like the farthest down the draft list. Those are the guys I wanted to throw up there. He was awesome. He was one of my favorite uh, targets going into draft season. He had a 31.3% K rate this year. He had a 31.3% K rate in 2019. That's pretty consistent. And his walk rate got even better this year than it did last year, given last year had that first half where it was super high and then he was mm-hmm. insane in the second half. So it might have been lower in the second half than it was. I didn't dig in that far. But you get what I'm saying. He did everything we expected him to do from what he changed in 2019. So it's one of those changes we could trust. Kind of like we talked about, we'll have to look with certain guys, what can we trust? Darvish's was legit. And to top it off, he, had, he brought in at least one more new pitch, if not two. So he has like eight or nine pitches right now. It is stupid what he's doing out there. I'm a big Yu Darvish fan. I'll be all over me and next year. Problem is, he's probably going to be a top five fantasy pitcher getting drafted next year. So the value's out the window now. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But Darvish is my Cy Young. It was, it was awesome. I wanted to give him the Cy Young for this because he probably won't win it for real life. So I'm going to give him for this.
0: Yeah. No, I, that's a great shout. And I, 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 I didn't have Darvish on any of my major teams, really. I think I might have had him in one one league. I haven't in a dynasty league. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was, he was incredible. And I, what I worried about was the consistency, you know, and he showed it this year again. So we have now a year and a half of just a, a really incredible starting pitcher. And I agree with you. I think he'll be going back into the first early second heading to next year, barring any type of injury setbacks or anything like that, that happen over the next little bit. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a good shout Who are your honorable mentions? So as you'll notice the theme, I like to do include a a number of different honorable mentions. I don't like to follow the, I like to draw outside the lines, Bubba. Um, So for me, I have three guys. Um, You know, I think the first one, uh, the first one is Kenta Maeda. Uh, Again, you know, going around pick one, 60 to 180, probably 150. Maybe I can't remember where exactly he ended up. Another guy I didn't really have any shares of, but, um, yeah, I mean, he was just, he was absolutely fantastic. You know, the K's weren't as high as some of the bigger guys, but still really, really good. He, um, his six wins was terrific. Uh, helped out your whip, held out your ERA, just like really fantastic contributor for where you drafted him and a lot of, on a lot of the top teams as well. Um, he's one guy who I think is going to be interesting for next year because I do think that there's some you know, um, some peripherals that kind of point towards him being pretty lucky this year. Uh, the BABIP is way down. I don't have it in front of me, but I feel like it's under 210. And then the strand rate was also pretty high as well, above 80%. So again, a guy that I think we're going to need to be careful of next year in the sense that, you know, yes, he's a very good pitcher, but one of those guys who I don't think we were able to get those couple starts where you get kind of destroyed um, that we saw happen to, to almost all the starters this year, including Lance Lynn, um, you know, where your kind of regression catches up to you. Right. And so um, so I think he's great. And I'll be really interested to see about where he's going in drafts uh, next year. Um, I think that'll be really, really interesting. Who are your other ones? Oh yeah. I forgot. Uh, Trevor Bauer. I mean, you know, what can you say? Um, he, uh, he was great, you know, st- strikeouts innings, you know, the wins weren't necessarily there, but you know, he can't necessarily control that. And I think one, one thing that's fascinating, right. Is those, is that, um, is the three day rest, the three day rest is super interesting because that seems like something he really wants to do. And he's a free agent after this year. And I'm fairly certain that he may push to do that, um, you know, so tell a team and, and I, you know, I think the reds would be, you know, obviously there's the driveline connection, but you know, that would throw, that would throw the fantasy world for a loop because if dunk. a guy can go every four days, um, I don't know how many extra start starts that is in a season. I don't, I can't do that, but if a guy goes 40 starts instead of 30 with the skills and the vault and and the volume that he's been able to produce when, when healthy. And you know, it appears like last year was probably a fluke. I don't think he's as good as this year or maybe the year before that, but I think there's a middle ground there that's still really good that he's probably at. So that's going to be really fascinating. And, and for him from a player perspective, if he can do that successfully for a season, and he's always said he's going to do one year contracts from now on. Um, I mean, imagine from like just a money-making perspective. I mean, the amount of money you can make on a one-year contract showing that you can pitch a full season healthy and well on three days rest, like what type of a value that is for a guy. I mean, that could be um, that could be in- incredible. <laughs> just really super interesting. Um, and so that's going to be something to, to mind. And so we don't go too long. Devin Williams is my other guy that I have on here just because 20 27 innings, 53 Ks, a .33 ERA. I mean, the 53 Ks. I didn't see what Zach Davies' total ended up being this year, but that's probably pretty similar to Zach Davies. So you don't necessarily get like the the and Zach Davies was great, you know. And and I, I traded for him in a di- dynasty league because I, I think there were some changes, concrete changes that the Padres did prioritizing his changeup that can make him effective in the future. But like you know, that's incredible. 27 innings, 53 Ks, um, and those type of ratios, even though the volume is smaller, they're so good. And I think what it does for me is it just says, you know, we were all – don't buy these guys in the draft. Who were we into during the draft as one of these long reliever guys? Who were were some of the guys that we were after? Like Seth Lugo, who kind of panned out. But,
1: um, yeah, yeah, like uh, Yusmero Petit, he didn't do anything. Yeah, um, yeah. Those are like the first two Joe, off the top. There was many that did not
0: draft them because yeah. every year there's a guy, maybe who's not as good as Devin Williams. I mean, this is yeah, that's insane. like that's like one top one percentile <laughs> for sure. But there are guys who end up being this good every year. Do not draft them. Pick them up once you've seen them doing the work already. That makes something like this possible. Yeah. But anyway, so he was it? he was fantastic. He
1: was great. Uh, the Maya thing was awesome because he we, we talked consistency. He was just great. Like You could almost lock in six innings. like You could almost basically lock in a quality start all day long, which was great this year because, like you said, blopes were everywhere. So he was phenomenal for that. Bauer's going to be very interesting for multiple reasons. One, because people say he's doctoring the baseball, so we'll see how that plays out for next year. I don't care, whatever. They're uh, all that, doing it. Yeah, so. exactly. That's why I don't care. But like, there's people actually pointing it out about him, so we'll see how that affects things. Like, That could get interesting. And then the, the the contract thing is very interesting to watch because I think teams will be more inclined to do it if it's a one year deal because they're not having to invest multiple millions of guaranteed no. dollars if he gets hurt or whatever. Okay, screw it, we're done. We can trade him. There's a there's a ton of things you can do in a one year deal, and you could play the game like you're th- you're thinking. Well, I don't need his arm for more than this season, so if he wants to go blow it, fine, let's go. Like there there's a lot of things you can do in that respect. And and I look I pulled up his records, and obviously it's different, but. Let's just say on average a pitcher throws 30 starts a season. Like some will throw more, some will throw less. If you do that, uh the every three days rest pitching every four days, you probably talk in another 10 to 12 starts at least. So you're talking 42 plus starts, say he goes six innings a start, you know. All of a sudden now he's getting 25 wins, maybe all those strikeouts. Like that changes things in a big way. Oh, like yeah. a big, big way. So definitely something to monitor, like you said. It'll be it'd be fun to see. But uh, my honorable mention because Bauer was almost my Cy Young over Darvish. And I was really, really close to doing that because he was ridiculous what he did time and time again. And This other guy, my honorable mention, like I, I have to mention him because I wasn't a Shane Bieber guy. I slowly became a Shane Bieber guy by draft season. I think I had him ranked fifth or sixth in my starting pitcher rankings going into the season. I didn't own him anywhere because people were grabbing him before I did, but he was awesome. I'm not going to knock yet. There's still a lot of things I want to see. Like He had a 91% left on base rate. That's pretty pretty good. Like tough to sustain. To be honest, like really tough to sustain. It uh, is? Yeah, <laughs> just just go throw that out there to people watching at home. Tough to sustain that. He's like a career like seventy five to eighty percent one. So just if you go back to eighty percent, eleven percent drop off. It's a lot more runs. So that's going to be uh, really interesting to see how that goes forward. Plus he there's already discussion of him being the top pitcher taken, which I won't do. We talked about it last episode. Neither one of us is there as number one. We we agree he's going to go very high, and he should. But at least as of last week, we weren't number one with Shane Bieber. So that'll be interesting going forward. But I had to at least give him an honorable mention because he was ridiculous. Uh, even though he went second round most of the time, he returned almost top billing. So that's hard to ignore. When he, DeGrom was great. Cole was good. But he performed better than Cole probably in the end of things when you look at player Raiders and whatnot. Uh, actually, I believe I was at Rasball Player Raiders, Bieber was the number one pitcher in fantasy. Yeah. So, he,
0: he, he was yeah. number one in Ks, number one in wins, number one in ERA.
1: And maybe with yeah, another factor and like, we'll get into this stuff. We'll do like some, we'll do episodes cause we're going to kill a lot of time or whatever. Where we kind of <laughs> pick like, we're going to we're gonna pick like four or five guys and just kind of deep dive into them. And I think Bieber is a fun one because one thing I really want to look at and you're smarter at it than I am, but I will give my best effort. And I think it'll eventually will be talked about this off season. I won't say it won't be. There's a lot of smart analysts out there, but we have to take Bieber's season with a grain of salt. Cause he faced the AL central so much. When you look at other divisions of who they faced, not that he wasn't going to be good, but start factoring in maybe two or three starts against the Yankees or a couple starts against the Blue Jays, or they have to face you know a team in the West that's actually hitting the baseball, which really didn't happen this year. Things along those natures like that could change things real quickly. So we got to how do you calculate that? You you can't, but it's something you have to at least think about. Going okay, that ninety-one percent left-on-base rate maybe doesn't happen if he's facing the AL East once in a while. Things along those lines.
0: Yeah, and, and Phil Phil Duso had a. um I uh, had a good tweet where he was talking about that. I think people were talking about Bieber as number one. He was saying, I think that he had a number three or number four. And that was that's the reason fair. why is because, you know, not only that, but he also avoided, he he faced the white Sox at the end of the season, but I think yeah, he missed all the short. previous yeah. things and he had like three starts against the tigers and he had a particularly easy schedule. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's definitely a part of it. And I think, um, I think there's definitely improvements in skill, and he's he's a lot better than before. And then I also think that there was them lot, and it'll be really interesting to see what Major League Baseball does next year. I mean, I assume that they're that they'll probably move to the full schedule now that they've kind of got things figured yeah. out a little bit. But I would
1: assume so. Yeah.
0: At the same time, I mean, we don't really know where we're what is all going to be happening in the world, right? So yeah. it'll be really interesting to see how they do that. If it's the same schedule as they usually have it, is it? You know, or maybe they—I um, I don't know. Maybe they do something different. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. They're obviously playing with the game. They're using this as an opportunity to play with the game a lot. You know, with the playoff expansion and trying all these different things. So, I don't know. It's gonna be really—it's gonna be really interesting to see. No doubt about
1: it. Uh, we'll wrap it up with the rookie of the years here. Um, who is your rookie of the year fantasy baseball wise? Because everyone's gonna point to Lou Bob, but when you look at Lou Bob's numbers, folks, I'm just gonna say it—it's. Um, not as great as one would think, but uh, who do you have for rookie of the year?
0: Yeah, I'm going to let you go first on this one because you were the first one to put this into the spreadsheet. So I want to give you the give you the the go the green okay. the well, green light on this one. Well,
1: mine is Kyle Lewis, and a lot of people want Lou Bob, but I've actually heard some smart people in the industry that actually are on the Kyle Lewis. Like in real life, should get it bandwagon, which made me very happy to hear because what he did, and it's one of those that's – This offseason, there's gonna be a lot of people picking against him and picking for him because if you look at his hitting profile, there's like 50% that's really positive and 50% that really scares you. Like there's a lot of mix and match. And we kind of saw that going into the year, but even I, when I wrote about him early in the season as like a potential late round sleeper, I wrote that, you know, when he came up, he was really, really strong. He's been injured for like two or three years, it feels like. So I'm kind of let the kid get healthy because the hit tool's always been there. Well, we kind of saw it this year at the same time. There is a little cause for concern because the barrel rate uh, was 11.7%, which is great, but we, you know, people had a higher expectations, which is crazy to think about. Um his actual bacon dropped from a small sample of last year's hard hit rate was down to 35%. percent where in a small sample last season was 46 and a half again small samples, but that's what they were. But the walk rate went up, the strikeout rate went down. 28.6 is still a very high strikeout rate, but in this era of baseball, it's one thing I've said many times and others have you got to change what you consider high strikeout rates now because a lot of guys strike out 25% of the time or so. Like it just it's the way baseball goes. So 28.6, if the guy's hitting for the power he's hitting for, he's running on the bases, he's driving in runs, you can take that extra 4% or whatever. It's just like, look at Bobby Dahlbeck. Is he going to hit 280 or whatever the rest of the year? No, because he's striking out 40% of the time. But Kenny, he, he had like eight home runs in three weeks. Could he finish with 20 plus homers and hit 250? Yeah, probably. That's somewhat possible, and still strike out 40% of the time because that's what Bobby Dahlbeck does because he hits the ball hard. Well, Kyle Lewis didn't really hit the ball that hard. So that's one thing I kind of want to look at. His fly ball rate went up. His ground ball rate went down, which is good. He started pulling the ball more this season. Everything you want to look at went in the right direction. But he did it consistently all season, besides like maybe one minor slump. He still finished the season very strong. So I think Kyle Lewis should be your rookie of the year. Um, Would you like a higher average? Yes, but he's never been a high-average guy in the minor leagues. He's been a power guy. A little bit of speed, you got that. I think he's going to be productive in the similar range for the rest of uh, at least for the next few years.
0: Yeah, I, I have the same guy. I think you described it well. I mean, he's definitely he's going to be one of those guys who's tricky for next year um, because right now, I mean, like you look at his 600 plate appearance, um, you know, uh, pace. You know, you're talking about a twenty-five ten guy. You know, um, and that's really nice. Uh, where you're going to have to draft him will be interesting because, you know, there are some concerns. I was just looking at the rolling average drafts really quickly. You know, the contact rate definitely did a a major nose dive towards the end of the season, but at the same time, there were some positives, right. Ground ball rate going down, hard hit rate going way up, you know, towards the end of the season. Um, And the plate discipline is solid. Like you mentioned, I think that can't be underestimated and, and the stolen base potential, you know, um, that's big. He's still young. Um, he plays, uh, well, actually I don't know how good his outfield plays, but I know he can make some spectacular plays out there as well. So I also have Kyle Lewis. I mean, Lou Bob was great. You know, he obviously tr- struggled mightily second half of the year. Those stolen bases are nice. The homers are nice. Um, but you also paid a hefty price for that, right? you, you drafted him probably around between his 60 and 75, you know, around draft time. So, um, which is still solid production. I mean, I would I would probably take that from that position, given what he gave you from a stolen base perspective. But he's still, um you know, I, I definitely think Kyle Lewis is my rookie of the year too. Yeah, with Lou Bob, it's
1: tough because the power speed was great, but the way he dropped off so much, he hit like 230 or something, and that's going to gut you pretty quick. And that was the problem with him. And he's young enough where he's still going to be expensive next year is the problem because everyone's still going to love Lou Bob. But if it's one of those, if he fell a little bit, I believe he's more of like a 270-ish hitter, give or take. Mm-hmm. Like The hit tool is good. It's just the old saying, like when a, when a prospect comes up, it's okay. Prove that you can hit a fastball. He proved that very well. Um, he started hitting off speed pitches a little bit, but then the scouting report started coming out, and they found the hole. He has to adjust to that. Once he figures that out, it's going to be scary. It's going to be kind of like Eloy. Eloy had the same kind of deal. He's really strong, wasn't as effective for a while. And then we saw what Eloy did this year. It was just ridiculous, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So Lou Bob is going to be very good. There's no hiding that at all. It's just he dropped off in a big way this year, and that was kind of the penny pinching decision between the two. Who's your honorable mention?
0: Yeah, um, and and I agree on Lou Bob, and I think the approach. Those are the approach guys, right? Where it's like him and Javi Baez have a similar approach. You know, they 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 just attack everything, right? And and for better or worse, and and we got a little bit of his high we got a lot, a little bit of his low too. Whereas Javi, we just got the low. Um, So my, my honorable mention for rookie of the year, um, I put a bunch of guys. So, you know, all, I'll prioritize them. I mean, I talked about Devin Williams before he's a rookie and he's great. I'm going to go with Jared Walsh, just because if you, if you added Jared Walsh early, you got a hundred plate appearances of per, of one, awesome, like, just wonderful production, right down the stretch. Key, key, key stuff. And so for that, I think you know he probably gets my honorable mention from a fantasy perspective. But there's a couple other guys I wanted to mention. Alec Baum, Baum, Baum. because they were always had him at like twenty seven hundred on DFS.
1: Yeah, you so know, strong. and
0: or whatever. Uh, It was in my, a lot of my failed lineups, unfortunately, a lot of my, my Philly stacks apparently uh, with Scott Kingery and his 2,100, you know, second base, but this isn't a DFS show guys. Don't listen to a thing I say about it. Um, So, um, but yeah, he was great. I mean, you know, just from the time he came up 300 batting average, just solid all around 300 batting average, the runs, the RBIs were great. I also added Jake Cronenworth here because he was kind of the early season version of, of Walsh, not as extreme because he didn't hit for as much power. But if you had him in early, you got those home runs, you got those stolen bases, you got that really nice batting average. And I also think the position flexibility for him was critical. I had him on a lot of my teams and the fact you could plug him in at first, second, short was huge, right? You could really move him around. He gave you a lot of flexibility in your lineups. So for that reason, I wanted to mention Jake Cronenworth um, as well. And he's, he just is a solid, he's got a really solid foundation, I think. And so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up going next year because he really fell off. I was actually surprised looking at his season. I mean, I think he only had 15 RBI and maybe 23 runs or something like that. Is that right for him? I don't know. Yeah, I think it was something like that. And so it'll be interesting to see what he does because he does play a lot of positions. I think he's kind of one of those versatile guys where if he ends up going, you know, 250 to 300 in drafts next year, he'll be a really interesting guy in that lineup right there. Who's your, who's your honorable mention? My
1: honorable mention. And I like those ones a lot. Walsh was like, I had pieces of all those guys along some form of the way, but uh, mine's Tony Gonsolin of the Los Angeles Dodgers who came on and, uh, Started eight games for them. It was very, very effective. 2 three, one ERA, 3-8 uh, X-FIP, two, two, 9 FIP, which was outstanding. Um, unlike uh, Shane Bieber, his left on rate is only 72.6%. so a little more believable. But um, a lot of fly balls. Striking rate was decent, almost a K per inning, but very, very effective. And he seemed to get better and better as the season went on. Good three-pitch mix between a fastball splitter and a slider. mixing in a curve a little bit, but mainly a three-pitch guy um, and a and, uh, – very effective in that result. But one thing I liked about him a ton, only a 4% walk rate, 26.1% K rate. So a good K to walk percentage um, along that line, limited the hard contact. And you look at his differences from just last season alone. He, um he pounded the zone more. He got also more, uh, more chase, which is very, very important. We talked about that with guys like Bieber and a lot of these Indians and some others, they like to play on the outside of the zone and get the the, the chase rate to go up higher swinging strike percentage, like everything you want, from a pitcher he improved on from 2019 to 2020. And it's just, you know, some will say, well, it's, it's a small sample, take it as it is. It's the Dodgers, man. Like, I hate to say it's it's lazy approach to it, but they they produce pitchers and they do things like this. And uh, they babied him for a reason. And they, they, kept, they kept him quiet, kept him quiet. And he was actually more effective than Dustin May in my mind. So mm, I think um, he was. I think Tony Gonsolin's a sneaky one. I want to see how the Dodgers find a way to get him in the rotation full-time next year because there's still a lot of moving parts there. But Gonsolin's one of those guys I know we're going to be talking about when we do draft previews about
0: later around target that could be quite interesting for your team. Oh, man, yeah. He was he was incredible down the stretch, too. I mean, he, today, uh, yesterday he wasn't great, but, man, some of those outings he had um, were phenomenal. Like I, I can't remember if it was in Coors where he had that absolute gem last week, yeah. I think it was.
1: Um, great call there. Here's
0: a quick trivia question for you. Sure. Which rookie starting pitcher had the highest K minus walk rate? Which
1: and I'll rookie give you a starting
0: pitcher. Well, what's that? Yeah. And I'm not giving you, let's see, I don't know what the innings. You have to, they had to have pitched at least 30 innings. 30 innings, highest K minus walk rate.
1: Well, it's probably Devin Williams.
0: Oh, wow, well, Devin Williams doesn't count, Bubba. Okay. He only got 27 oh, innings pitch. Starting, starting pitcher, starting pitcher, starting pitcher. Starting
1: pitcher, highest K to walk. Can you at least tell me AL or NL? Yeah. It's got to be AL. It's either a Royal or a Tiger. Um, uh, Scoobble wasn't that great. It was uh, – was it Singer? It was either him or Buick.
0: No, but Singer deserves all the praise in the world today. Tristan McKenzie. Oh, see, 20, he was one – 26%. He's he was probably, uh, really good when he pitched,
1: but he was inconsistent. Look at his logs; like he still would pitch well, but he like he had starts where he struck out the world, and then other starts where it was he avoided the Babbitt gods. It was yeah, very check,
0: interesting. Yeah, that's true. He did have a two seventeen Babbitt and an eighty four point one percent left on base. But it's it still
1: electric. I'm not doubting that at
0: all. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm really curious to see where that kind of carries over okay let me ask you another question all, all right. right this is because this one to me is the most fascinating one um there is what was Sixto sanchez's k-minus walk rate he was awesome
1: uh he had some starts for strike out many guys though because i played him pretty much every single time i could on dfs because he was always too cheap um k-minus walk he never walked anybody I'm going to go because he didn't qualify for your deal. So I'm going to say like he threw enough pitches. As no,
0: he, he did. He qualified. I think he threw,
1: okay. team team say he threw as many pitches as, or any as McKenzie. It's not more. So let's go uh, 23%. 13.9%. Because he had so many starts for his to strike guys out. Oh, and one of his last starts, he walked the world. Yeah.
0: His I mean, he's, he's walk rate was still 7%, but he doesn't really strike guys out. No,
1: he had a couple of outings where he was dominant. But what he does, I think, better than McKenzie is he limits the big innings. I, I'm going to take that last start like where he walked everybody kind of – I don't think that's the real six though. But yeah. um, like if you take that one out, I think that K to walk uh, is a big difference there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's just
0: a fascinating one. Because yeah. two starts ago, people were talking mm-hmm. top four or five rounds heading into next year's draft for him.
1: Well, it'll be funny because he will still go probably at worst top six rounds, if not higher, where McKenzie could probably get like three or four rounds later. Oh, yeah. I mean uh, – Very similar pitchers.
0: It'll be – it's going to be really interesting, yeah, to see what happens with with him yeah. um, for sure. He's going to be a fascinating one for next year. Now,
1: you, you mentioned Jared Walsh. Like, the biggest question is where does he play next year? Because Pujols is there, and I, I give given. Well, there's going to be a new GM oh, in town. Well, so
0: I thought his contract ended this year. One more year.
1: One more year. Yeah, one more year? Yeah, one more year of that expensive contract. But um, new GM in town. They started playing him less and less when Wall started hitting. So maybe they finally say, you know what, dude? You're just going to kind of be here. Enjoy your swan song. We'll let you tip the cap to the crowds that are allowed in stadiums and go along that route maybe. Um, I, I, I'm i curious. Do you think he plays enough to warrant a decent draft pick? Like You want to take him too high. But is he worth taking or would you rather okay? He's probably gonna go around guys like Eric Hosmer. Would you rather take an Eric Hosmer that you know
0: has everyday playing time or Jared Walsh? Um, I mean, I would probably take Hosmer in that particular instance, but I think that um with Walsh, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating profile mm-hmm. because I mean, you know, his what's his home run for five ball rate is probably just absolutely insane. It's 30%, right? But at the same time, like he, he, it's pretty clear he's got power, right? Like he can hit, I mean, a guy with that type of power who has a 14.4% K rate and that has the peripherals to back it up. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. That's what you look for is high contact rate guys who can hit the ball like that. Yep. And so I think it comes down, but I think, I, I don't think there's a way that they can go into next season. And what is he 26, 25, 26, 27, 27. He's 27. He's 27, he's 27 in one month. So next year will be his his twenty his age twenty-seven season. I mean, you know, I it's I talented. think he's gotta play. And I mean, I think with pools, they've gotta they gotta cut it at some point, right? At some point it's just kind of like we wanna be good. And God, is there more of a throw a guy under the bus move than cutting your GM on the last day of the season? Like yeah, the I, moment the first out, the last out is made, you're like, you're out the door. Yeah, there's still. He hasn't done much that's worked out. Well, although the Dylan Bundy trade, I mean, that's pretty great. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was kind of like, okay, guy, you've, yeah. Yeah, there's still half the other games still
1: going on. It's like, yep, you're gone. See ya. Like, we're not going to even wait for the day to be over. Well, like, at least in the NFL, they call it Black Monday because they wait till all the games are over until the next day to fire people. Like, like, couldn't baseball have waited and have their own Black Monday tomorrow and started firing people? Let people get home
0: for a little bit, say hi to their wives and kids. Just they did the fun. same thing to uh, the Red Sox manager, right? He was interim yeah. and all, but like, they were like, yeah, you're not coming back.
1: Well, it's like he had to know, like, they're bringing Joey
0: Cora back. I don't care what they say. Like, it's coming. That was no, too really. simple. Well, but, uh, and also, like, yeah, yeah. I was. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Rob Silver was like, how could you not have won with, like, the worst pitching staff ever assembled on the face of the earth, you know, yeah, I think, I think, um, the Giants who had a horrific pitching stuff, they were still better than the Red Sox. That's so, true. they did have Drew Smiley, though. Future, yes, Cy Young. Was awesome,
1: awesome, future, Cy Young. and Kevin Gossman. That one, he's got to
0: come back, right? He's got Smiley. I think he'll come back next year. I hope, I hope him and Gossman both come back. Like, pay them. I don't care. They both really should. I mean, that they've got, they've got some cook in there. I like yeah. a lot of those guys. Vaughn, opposite field, Jack, today. I mean, that was, I mean, he's yeah. made some bonus plays, but that
1: was, yeah. uh, he made me so happy because he started out the season so slow, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm not my guy. It, but it's another story of a young kid trying to figure it out. Like, he hasn't had that many pro at-bats, I and mean, he was just slow. When you look like his second half of the season, he still finished the year hitting close to 280, which is, I think, outstanding because he's been a good average guy with a little pop. He has kept it going, and I was like, okay, there's something to like here. Very happy about this. He's still going to be cheap next year. Multi-position eligibility. Let's enjoy this. So, yes, I'll be hey. back
0: on that. I'll be beating that drum again next year. And Brandon Crawford just doesn't age, huh? I mean, God, did he, he did a great stretch or what? Him and,
1: him and Longoria, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, we, we could wax poetically about the Giants, and I'll cry because they couldn't win one of the last three games. So, oh, um, no. Sorry, let's yeah, get let's so get to, <laughs> let's get to listener questions. Um, we have quite a few of them. But like again, I'll I'll preface this now. I apologize ahead of time because some of these are just impossible for me to answer right now. That's just gonna be the way it is. But our buddy Dave Petrosillo he asks. Um, so how about the draft spot guess? Let's guess on some draft spots here. So we'll kind of go rapid fire here and guess where do you think Jose Ramirez goes in a 15 team room? next year? Yeah.
0: Um, top 10.
1: That's probably fair. Uh, it's going to be interesting because you've got a few guys coming in, a few guys dropping out. Yeah. I think, do you think, okay. because I think Trevor. he probably
0: re- replaces Lindor.
1: As I was about to say, because he had a story, Turner, Lindor, threeson that kind of took up that kind of like seven through ten area somewhere. He probably jumps in there with Lindor. It's probably very—that's kind of, kind of where I was thinking. So yeah, top ten, I'm with you there. I think it's a steal. A steal. Degrom.
0: I mean, the thing that I think is going to be really interesting is where do the first pitchers go? Because yeah. it's clear that there's this new infusion, or not necessarily new, but there's this infusion of offensive talent, and so it's going to be really interesting to see like where do guys take Degrom? Where do guys take Bieber? Does Cole fall? Because there's this there's this a sense that he's been a disappointment this year somehow, right? Even though he was absolutely fantastic over the course of the full year, right? I mean, what, 280 ERA, 85 strikeouts and in 60 innings and and eight wins or something like that, seven wins. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how that all flushes out. But I think it's kind of like Acuna and Betts and Tati. Fernando Tati Jr. Trout. And what? Trout. Trout. And then there's J-Ram. Yep. And Valley, uh, maybe. Trey Turner gets another boost up. Trey, Trey, Trey Turner Trey Trey as well. Turn. So I think he's just one of those guys who's, a, I mean, who's a five category contributor in the massive sense of the word. Like, just like, he's going to give you 20 plus steals. He's going to give you 20 plus home runs. He shouldn't hurt you in batting average, and he should get you a crap ton of counting stats. And those, all those guys are kind of fall in that category, especially with Trebo and like adding that power component this year. You know, which he's had a little bit of in the past, but not nearly to the extent that he that he did t- this year. Yep. Uh, the the
1: next guy he has on the list, Freddie Freeman. He went around pick twenty at the end of round two last year. We already talked about the the pace he was on this year. Ridiculous season that he had. Um, it's just tough because most of the first basemen don't go as high. I would be I I would say middle second round because I still don't think people are gonna go crazy to grab him right away. But do you think he's like maybe our next Paul Goldschmidt end of round one, early round two? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think he I think the around the turn is is about right. Around the turn to the middle of the second, I think is good. But God, man, watching him hit baseballs. It's awesome. Smooth. It's uh, I mean, smooth, it's so smooth. Why does the bat look so small? When he's holding it, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just like, it's just like a little stick, and he just, and the 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 swing, the like, just the finish of the swing is just fantastic. It's almost like he, um, um, he like he he like stops the bat. He doesn't go all the way over the shoulder like other guys do. He like hits it and he like stops like right there. It's just uh. ah. It's beautiful.
1: It is. It is. It's graceful. But uh, I just, I think you're 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 on there. I, I just have middle second because, I think again, come draft season, it's gonna be pitching and stolen base guys. He doesn't steal bases. He's at a that's gonna push some guys to push him down, and you're still gonna get a heck of a ball player. So, um, you could reap the benefits there. The last guy he had for us, he went to pick 165 last year. Guaranteed to go much higher than that this
0: year. Kyle Tucker. Where's Kyle Tucker going to go next, year, next yep, year? That's his last question. I think he'll, I think he'll go um, – I think he'll be kind of like – he'll be kind like of like Austin Meadows this year. Austin. So – yeah, Well, I mean, I think, I think not quite Austin Meadows, but I think he'll go probably middle of the third round would be my guess. I mean, he stole eight bases, hit nine homers this year with probably less than you know regular playing time so you're looking at a probably 30 20 guy over the course of a full season 25 15 guy over the course of a full season i didn't see his batting average but um yeah and i also think you know he'll just be he'll be hyped and he'll have everyday plate appearances and he'll be batting cleanup once all those guys leave um uh, medals got picked around 71
1: so he's not i thought he was going higher than that but he, might, he was dropping down because like, of the COVID. Oh, because of COVID.
0: Yeah. That was COVID. Yeah.
1: So, like, George Springer went around pick 50. Do you think Springer goes or Tucker goes first?
0: It depends where Springer ends up, I think. Um,
1: um, free agency. Okay. What about uh, Cattell Marte went around 40? Cattell Marte or Tucker? Who goes first?
0: Oh, next year? Mm-hmm. Oh, Tucker
1: for sure. Okay. Marte is going to be a dropper. Yeah. What about Starling Marte and, and Tucker? Oh, Starling Marte. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm not even going to ask the next guy because that's an easy one. Um, all right. Well, we'll see how that plays out. It'll be uh, another fun one. Do you think Jose Altuve or Tucker? Tucker.
0: Altuve is going to be a dropper too. Aaron Judge or Tucker? Tucker. Hmm. Well, we know. Well, the- yeah, it's so hard to know the Yankee penalty. but okay, I here's, just the, one, here's one for I you. Okay, okay.
1: Lou Bob or Tucker? Ooh.
0: I think it'll, mm. Mm. yeah, that mm. one's close. That one's close. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one's really close. Similar profiles. I think Lubob has a little bit of an advantage in terms of stolen bases. Tucker may be an average, but I think people value the stolen bases a little bit more. I think Lubob's ceiling seems a little bit higher maybe. So yeah, that's a good I mean, one though. That's a very good comp. I imagine they'll end up in a similar place.
1: Yeah, I think they'll kind of be following each other in drafts a lot, I think. Our buddy David Mendelson at DMendio2, from the Triple Play Fantasy, um, he has a question for us. Where are you placing Jose Abreu next year among first basemen? Like, uh, we kind of talked about him as my MVP, obviously. Where would you have him at first base? In, in the main events, he was the seventh first baseman off the board behind Bellinger, Freeman, Alonzo, Muto because he qualified there, Olsen, and Vladito. So, Abreu went fourth, Where or seventh, I mean. Where would you have him next year? Oh man. Um game pure speculations, a
0: lot of things can change. Let me I'm just I'm just trying to look at the at the board so that I can get get a get a sense. So after Bellinger, after Freeman, definitely ahead of Alonzo, definitely ahead of Olson. Um Lemay, he's such an interesting first baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll go ahead of him though too. I think he's going to be the third, third first baseman off the board probably, not counting Real Muto just because he's not really a first baseman. I think it'll be Bellinger, Freeman, Abreu. I guess the way that I would think of how Abreu is going to be drafted next year is he's kind of like JD Martinez in some ways, yeah. right? He doesn't have the track record, but he's a 300 guy. Pretty, I mean, not 300, but like 280 to 300 consistently. He's going to hit you 30 home runs. He's been super consistent on that front and he's going to smash an RBI. I mean, he has every year except for the year that he was injured. So, um, and he's been relatively healthy outside of, outside of last year, I think it was, or the year before that, whatever one it was. So yeah, I think he's, I think he'll be in that. I think he'll also be in that third round area. Yeah, I agree. He should be, I'm with you that he should be the
1: third one off the board. I'm already seeing like the talks coming. I can already picture it now. He doesn't do this. He won't do it the way he did it this last year. And next thing you know, it's, well, Vlad's a year older. Let's move Vlad up. Matt it can rebound. And I like Matt Olsen, don't get me wrong. And then, you know, maybe Anthony Rizzo has a big spring. Like There's a lot of things I can see taking place. But I agree, Abreu should be the third one off the board. That's what I'm hoping for. And if he falls, then better for us. But uh, that's where I'd be looking on that one. Uh, Jeff Zimmerman from the launch angle, from fan graphs, from kicking butt in a lot of fantasy leagues this year. Um, Crack crack me in our 12-team league. What was the overall effect of the NLDH during the sprint season? So we'll start with that. He's got a three-parter here. So I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Obviously, the season ended about six, seven hours ago. But um, what do you think the overall effect was, at least for you, when watching the game, analyzing the game, playing fantasy, of the
0: NL having the DH? this is all anecdotal because I haven't had a chance to crunch the numbers, but what stands out to me is there is, there's nobody that's really jumping out and correct me if I'm wrong, but like there's nobody that jumps out as like having super benefited from the NLDH. Right. Because I think teams were really smart at platooning. Yeah, so they, they use, use it as use an, an like opportunity a day. to platoon or to give guys a day off or to um, move guys who were maybe worse in the field, you know, give them a few less days in the field. And so I think that um, I'd be interested to see, I mean, I'm sure uh, Jeff is going to do some research on it. So I'll be fascinated to see how it impacted like the pitchers and stuff like that as well. Um, You know, I'm I'm sure it had an impact, um, but it also doesn't seem to, and again, it's all dependent on like where the, where kind of the, um, the value was, but it definitely seemed like NL pitchers still, uh, there was more good NL pitchers. Am I making that up? But again, it, no, it could just be who's yeah. who's in those leagues, um, and um, and so that'll be uh, interesting to see what kind of an impact it did have. Because there's nobody that even jumps out at me, you know, it's like, oh, it's gonna benefit like Eric Thames, you know. But even him, it was like no, there was nothing any anything consistent. Like I can't think of a guy who was like the DH who played all the time and got all those at bats. So think about it from an offensive perspective, You know, it gave some players more value because they had less off days, but it was really hard to see guys who weren't platooning in that particular role. Um, And then on pitchers, I think it, I mean, it certainly had an impact, but it'd be interesting to see what that was. I mean, and whether, because the announcement happened so late, whether NL teams were able to make the make the roster changes that they needed to maximize the 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 value of that position. That'll be what's interesting this year to next year, I guess. Yeah, that was my
1: biggest comment I was going to make is when this happened, you know, American League teams have designated hitters on the roster. The NLs didn't have those. They have guys that can pinch hit, that can play defensive replacements. They weren't built for a DH. Like now you can go and sign a JD Martinez nationally. We talked about it when he's a free agent. He only had 15 teams that could sign him, so it mm-hmm. knocked him down. Now you have a legit 30 teams that can sign a guy that can't play defense but can't hit the baseball. Like um, I can't think of off the top of my head at the moment, but there's a lot of guys we know that can't play great defense. That Like Kyle Schwarber, he's actually played decent defense in left field. I'll give him credit for that. How long is that going to last for a guy that size, really? Just be realistic about it. But he can DH for the next 10, 15 years probably, like really good if he can move around both leagues. So I think that's a big factor that give these guys a chance to actually build a roster with designated hitters. That could maybe give more of an impact. So I agree, National League, off the top of my head and just from playing, it didn't feel like it had that big a difference for pitchers. If anything, I think it helped pitchers go another inning or so in certain games they weren't getting pitch hit for. You saw guys go out there to start other innings. I think uh, making pitchers throw to three batters out of the bullpen had a bigger effect than the DH, personally. That was goofier than goofy. But um, yeah, somebody smarter than me will make a big article on it and make a lot more sense than this. But at first glance, without digging into all the numbers, there wasn't a, t- a big takeaway because most League teams just kind of use, like you said, this day off to do things along those lines that weren't weren't obvious designated hitter things. Because most guys, if anything, it opened up another spot for guys to play every day. So you had an extra guy playing, but they just rotated them around. So that maybe is the biggest takeaway. His next question is, do you
0: think it sticks around in twenty twenty one? Um, I do think that it sticks around in 2021. Um, I think it's hard to go back, you know, it's hard to like, you know, not have pitchers bat for a full year and then be like, Oh, grab that stick and go out there. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I do think it's there, but I think it'll be one of those concession type things where it's like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, you guys are the pit, the players are going to let us expand the playoffs again for 2021. And in return, you know, we'll get the DH, which you know makes more more players who have jobs and things like that. So I think it'll be it'll be part of that. I just hope it's done early enough where teams can kind of do it. They can kind of construct their rosters thinking about it and and get some guys who belong in places where they can get plate appearances because um, they're good hitters, but they suck defensively. Yeah. No, God. That, and when does Eloy become a DH? Because sooner than later, so that's that's another guy. Just throw him on the list guys that
1: can DH. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they'll have it again next year. I think it's a, it's a bargaining chip for the next uh, – a bargaining agreement in the next year that they'll use that because the players want it. It's like you said, it's another guy that can make money. So, it's one angle they have to try to, to help the cause. And I think we all learned this year I don't think there was an issue having it. I could actually help the game out because who wants to see pitchers hit? Like, really, no one does. So, I think it does happen. Teams can prepare properly. His last part of the question is, when will Rob Manfred get around to announcing it if,
0: or if they won't have one? Yeah, I know. Right. I don't know. He'll do whatever he can to leverage it for whatever, you know, um, so it'll, it'll be at the most inopportune time for the most benefit for him. Yeah. That's what, yeah. It's just I'm so cynical about the way he handles baseball. So we'll see, but I, I do hope it's, I hope it's early so that we, so the teams can actually build their rosters accordingly. That'd be really nice. Um, At
1: SMMS79, he had a good year this year, came up just short, got screwed over. He texted us some things that were rough. But are you, I know it's early, do you have a bat or an arm you're targeting for 2021 based on their 2020 performance?
0: Not really. You know, I'll just throw out a couple. Um, One guy I think it's going to be really interesting to see where he goes is Ozzy Albies. Um, he was injured for most of the season, so he wasn't there. There really wasn't much talk about him at all. Like he just kind of flew under the radar, I feel like, and I'm going to be really interesting to see whether he goes in a similar spots to where he was going last year or whether he falls a little bit because we have this newest sh- sample of guys who have done really well. And I think he's an absolutely fantastic talent. I mean, he had 120 plate appearances, um, six home runs three, um, stolen bases, 2020. Um, you know, he's, he's a beauty, you know, he's, I would love to have him, you know, if I prioritize pitching early and I get him as my first hitter next year, sign me up. I think he's going to be, um, I think he's going to be fantastic. So that might be one guy just because I'm hoping that because we, he was injured last year and doesn't have as much hype. Maybe he's kind of like, Not that he's post-hype because he's really good, but um, whether he maybe slides back middle third round, late third round, you know, kind of that area, I think would be really interesting to see. So I'll be targeting him. Um, One other guy that I think I'll probably be targeting a lot is um, Sal Perez. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see where he goes in drafts because he, he was on my list for MVPs. I mean I'm not, the guy I'm not was not sure if you saw my tweet earlier today, but it compared how much better he was than JT Real Muto. Oh, was it? Was no. it? Oh, God. I mean, it's true. I mean, he was phenomenal. Um, and you know, early when we did the catcher preview, we were just like, get JTR, get JTR, get get Salvi. Like this is that's the combo. That's what I was doing early in the draft season. And I really moved away from that i um, scared about the TJ and all that stuff, but Salvi, I mean, the batting average isn't going to stay, but I mean him with the juice, juice ball is just um, a really nice thing. And so, uh, yeah, he's, if he's not, if he's not top 100, I'm going to be all over that. Um, so those are maybe two guys. How about you?
1: A couple guys I want to look at more into and probably target more, at least that I really wasn't paying attention to going into the year. Brandon Lau, second base Mm -hmm. for the Rays. He was going undrafted in some leagues, and look what he did this year. So he's a guy I want to look at. And on the pitching side, you mentioned Corbin Burns earlier. I want some shares of Corbin Burns. I don't know if I can pay the price for Corbin Burns, but he's a guy I want. And another guy similar to the production we saw, like not as good as Burns, obviously, but a guy that was consistently really good that I had on some teams that I'd like to have again this year, Framber Valdez. I think he's legit. He's young. He's still developing his pitch mixes, but he's still very, very good. So he's a guy you can get later in drafts like your SP4 or five, I think, and 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 make some damage there. So he's a guy that I'll definitely that I, I found a liking to in 2020 that I'll be going to in 2021. All right. Roma Kormaski at Romac988 asks how are you approach assessing breakouts this year for rankings? Um, How will you differentiate between small sample size results and genuine change in potential outcome over a full season?
0: Well, that's a really good question. I mean, I think there's a couple pieces to this. I think this is where projections are incredibly helpful because I think projections help us see, see a little bit like this signal through the noise. I think that's what people say, like, you know, projections, I think are, are, um, are good at tackling these guys, generally speaking, with some limitations. So I think you, you look at the projection, you say, okay, this is kind of what the projection system is seeing. And then I want to d- dive a little deeper and see like, what were the changes that they made? Were there concrete changes that they made that, that, that have resulted in this? Right. And, and, um, and then also, um, you know, just cause they made a change, does that change seem sustainable? And you know, what does their batting average line up, right? Does, does, you know, Um, the runs per plate appearance and the RBI per plate appearance, and really like looking at things in a very granular way, like, does that, does that resonate? Like a guy like uh, Teoscar is a good example, like second half of last year, it was very clear that he made some dramatic changes. Um, and that's one of the reasons why he, I liked him a lot. And he was part of my bold predictions because I saw, you know, the, the projection systems aren't going to take that small of a sample and change his projection dramatically. Right. And then also understanding that if he's really good, he had opportunity to get plate appearances. And so a guy like that, you know, yeah, the six stolen bases was lucky. I mean, like you, you couldn't have banked on that based on what he'd shown so far, but like, so like looking at that, but then also looking at what he did this year, I'm going to look at that. I'm going to say, I mean, that's great, but I don't think he's going to do this again, right? Like this isn't a sustainable thing for a full 162 game season. So I'm going to want to see kind of, you know, what do I think is about what he actually is talent wise. And then kind of go from there. Like I wouldn't like right now, I mean, what he projects probably for like 18 stolen bases on a 600 plate appearance pace, no way I'm giving him that. Like, right. I'm not going to even give him 10. I'd probably give him like eight stolen bases for the year. Um, And so I I don't know. I I think it's a, a matter of looking at the projection and seeing what that looks like and then seeing whether I agree with it or there's maybe a reason to be a little bit more confident that he could do better or outperform it. Or if I am maybe like, ah, I think he's done about all he can. Maybe he's going to regress a little bit from his projection. So I think it's kind of like the projections give me a general sense. And then I'm, I'm going to use kind of the other analytics to build in like what the range of outcomes I think might be for that guy. Yeah,
1: no, I'm going to use a lot of similar stuff there, obviously, but if guys overperformed, underperformed, why did they overperform or underperform? Was it just kind of a, they were in a slump? Like you said, did they change something? What what was the reason behind this? And that's maybe not answer, not possible to answer, but a lot of these guys you can kind of see things were different. The ramp-up period, you got to think about that for slow starters. Uh, a lot of things were weird this year. So I'm going to take a lot of it with a grain of salt, look at their 2019 seasons, where did things differ, watch spring training as close as we can, hopefully we get something to go off of there, and then use the projections like you said because that's what they're there for, and they're pretty darn good at what they do. So – um, and it's going to be tough for them to make projections too because what do they do with the 60-game season? That's mm-hmm. going to be interesting as well. So we'll have to see how all that works out, but definitely going to use the results of 2020, but I'm not going to like say, oh, yeah, Freddie Freeman, he's going to do everything he did and more in 2021. I'm going to be realistic about it and think, okay, there's a good chance Freddie Freeman has like a three-week slump somewhere along the season or at least a combination that makes a three-week slump, and he hits like 315 or something, I don't know, but just be really realistic
0: about how it all played out. Here, here's a question. What was the highest BABIP this year? Highest BABIP? Probably like 570. 412 of qualified hitters, I should say. Qualified hitters, um, Michael Conforto, right? Mm-hmm. Michael Conforto, who we're talking about, is like breakout guy. He broke out this year, you know, this is the year for him. He had a 412 Babbitt. Uh, guess who had the what was the lowest Babbitt we saw this year?
1: Uh probably like
0: 112. 201. Wow. So rugno Dorde
1: was better than I thought. Carlos Santana
0: at 201. Mike. 201. Eugenio Suarez at 202. Max Muncie at 206. Rizzo Man, you, 218. Calgary really, 208. Schwarber we, 225. Brian Reynolds 227. So those are the guys I would go down there and I just circle those guys. And I'd be like, these are the guys I'm going to own in 2021. I mean, not all of them, but like a guy like Santana, who's probably going to plummet in drafts. He's older, right. You know, things like that. But again, like, you know, he had an 18% walk rate and a 17% K rate. He still managed 31 runs and 26 RBIs and seven home runs despite you know, a 201 Babbitt, right? Uh, Eugenio Suarez, the same thing. Like all the three, the top three guys hit under 200. And so they're probably going to get hurt next year, but is that something that's going to happen over the course of a full season? Probably not. And so that's like a really good bucket to buy from. Whereas the guys at the very top, like a Conforto or a drno who hit 411 despite, or like he had a 411 Babbitt and hit like 315 despite having like a 28% strikeout rate, right? Like things like that. And obviously it depends where they fall and how much you have to pay for them. But like, those are the types of things where I think on the extremes, you can really, you can get some value from guys and miss out on some guys who, who just avoid the, the guys after career years. Generally. I mean, I think the more and more I see, the more and more I'm pro that.
1: Definitely one approach to take there. And I want to thank everybody for their questions on, Tonight's podcast. There's a couple that we'll get to in the next couple of weeks that are more centric to uh, what's coming on for the 2021 season, but I'm just going to pass on those tonight as we're running a little long already. It's late. What was that? It's late. Yep. So you can find Toby on Twitter at BatflipCrazy. I'm on Twitter at BDEnter. Thanks for listening, everybody, this year. Thanks for having a great season. Congratulations to Toby on a monster season. But uh, this was Bubba on the Batflip episode 51.
0: Catch you guys later. That is going to wrap us up for the 2020 fantasy baseball season and episode 147 of the podcast. Bub and I will be coming to you uh, on a pretty, uh, on a regular basis still every week um, to share uh, fantasy baseball thoughts. So please continue to listen, um, you know, and, and for those of you that are switching fully over to fantasy football, good luck with all of that. But we will continue to bring you this content and it'll before no time, we'll be doing our position previews and, running through all this draft strategy and, uh, ADPs and all this goodness. And, and gosh, we're probably about, uh, two months away from, from our first drafts of the season. So should be a lot of fun. Thank you, uh, for joining us as always on this journey, uh, take care and be kind to one another.